Welcome to Teaching Channel Talks. I'm your host, Wendy Amato. Doug Lamov is one of my favorite educators. You've heard my conversations with him before in episodes 33 and 34. This week, we're trying something a little different. I sent Doug Lamov and Hillary Lewis from Teach Like a Champion a list of questions that they responded to asynchronously. You can let us know what you thought of this episode by emailing podcast at teachingchannel.com. Let's get started. What kinds of things should we have in mind these days for students and for educators? It feels like there are a million things on teachers and school leaders' minds these days as we all prepare to head back into our classrooms with fewer restrictions. What often comes up in the conversations that we have with educators is how we can boost both student and teacher morale, how we can inspire confidence in our students and teachers when things still feel uncertain. While teaching remotely and then in hybrid settings, and even as some schools have moved back in person full-time, we are often asked on the TLAC team how schools have rebuilt the connections that were lost, either because of time, space, or technology. And connection is undoubtedly important for students, but also important professionally, um, as we as educators collaborate with our colleagues around building strong classroom culture this fall. I think, I think two words in particular have, uh, resonate with me right now. One is belonging and one is ritual. Belonging is, um, is the most profound human emotion. Uh, it's, it's, the strong, it's the strongest and most motivating human emotion. It's, it's what we all want is to belong. And I think that we can be more intentional about the way that we build belonging in our classrooms and have each student feel like they're deeply important. And that you can tell students once, you know, you're important and you, you, can, um, you can give them a good, long, a good long talk about how much you value them, but really what makes them feel valued are these constant small interactions, things like, um, peers talking to each other about um, eye contact from their peers when they're talking, which says, I care about you. I care what you're saying. It matters to me. These small cues that constantly tell people that they're important in the classroom. So I'd be thinking a lot about building, building belonging as sort of a constant message to students. And then I think ritual is really important. It's another way that culture happens and we can build tiny rituals into our days to, <laughs> to increase belonging. I just, uh, maybe I'll just tell you about a couple of videos that I've watched that have been, I've really been struck by. One is um, uh, Sadie McCleary, who's a high school chemistry teacher in North Carolina, just watching one of her lessons and um, she asks a student to explain a chemical reaction. The student does a beautiful job and she says, that's beautiful, Sterling. And uh, she says, then says the class shine on Sterling and everyone sort of turns and smiles at her and makes this little like sunshine gesture. You wouldn't think you could pull that off with, uh, with students in AP chemistry, but they do. It's just this beautiful little ritual that she has to sometimes shine on people to make them feel a sense of belonging. And the other one is Hassan Clayton, who's a, who's a really great uh, teacher at Nashville Classical Charter School. Um, during pandemic, actually, they were he and his school were trying to build more of a sense of belonging because kids were so disconnected. And so during the do now, they would always write in response to a question about the novel that he was teaching, but he would also throw in one sort of small takeaway funny prompt that kids got to write about after the novel. And he would just engage it very briefly. So on the day that we saw them, he asked them a question about the novel. And then he said, would you rather have um, one eye or two noses. And, you know, in 30 <laughs> seconds, he just called out a couple of the playful responses of, for students, right? It was fast. It didn't take away from, it didn't take a ton of learning time, but doing this every day and saying, ha, 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 isn't that funny what Hillary wrote? Uh, that's really clever what you wrote, Wendy. Um, I just think that's a lovely um, belonging ritual. 
While many people are wrapping up the school year, others are already looking ahead to how to rebuild once we're back in the classroom. What advice would you offer? I love this question. And as Doug has already mentioned, we've observed so many beautiful moments of student discourse, active chats and link sheets uh, in the film that teachers have sent. And we learned from talking to these teachers that these strong moments of student engagement were the result of strong lesson preparation. And teachers are amazing. And during this um, incredible time in our lives, you know, teachers really took time to hone their lesson preparation skills, uh, using their student work to help internalize their lessons and consider when and how students should engage in class. And so that's where we got to see these beautiful moments happen in classrooms. And Doug, you talked a little bit earlier about students feeling seen and heard, like what a beautiful way um, for students to be seen and heard when it's rooted in such beautiful um, academic content. And these moments were created consistently um, uh, due to the level of planning and preparation that these teachers did. And so underlying all of this is of course the need for time. Uh, teachers need time to plan and prepare these beautiful, engaging, rigorous lessons. And so, we have to also consider how to provide that level of support for teachers in order for them to be able to uh, do this level of planning and prep and make it sustainable. Yeah, Hill, when you were talking about preparation, preparation is so important. And I think one of the reasons is because a really well-planned lesson honors students, but it tells them implicitly you're important, right? <laughs> like we're doing real things here, this matters. And I, I think that's doubly important because one of the things that we could lose sight of is we could be so focused on building relationships back up that we forget about, you know, I think what Adeyemi Stembridge tells us in culturally responsive uh, and culturally responsive teaching in the classroom, which is that we build relationships through content in many ways. And, and I was thinking about that, you know, happened to be watching one of my daughter's online classes. I promise I just walked by, I wasn't trying to, but the teacher was trying to build relationships. And so she was going around the room saying, what'd you do this weekend? How are you to um, the students in my daughter's class? And I, if I can be honest, it was she was trying to connect with kids in a really important way, but it wasn't successful because it didn't feel real to the students. And it was, um, I think you have to establish like why you're here first and getting, getting mm -hmm. started teaching. And so relational teaching is so important but it's also relational teaching. I think one of the most profound emotions that I've found out about more about in writing Teach Like a Champion 3.0 is the idea of flow, which is people loved, people feel a sense of belonging and involvement in something when they lose themselves in a task together with other people. And so they really can't draw people into the classroom fully unless we have really well-prepared lessons that move and have a great sense of purpose and draw kids in so they almost lose track of time that that also is one of the ways that we build relationships and honor kids. And so there, that's why I think the, the Hassan Clayton's moment of like building these little relational moments within the larger lesson flow, I just think that's, that's important because you almost can't do one without the other. Last year was incredibly challenging for everyone, but especially for our students. Are there any particular signs or signals we should be watching for this upcoming school year? Yes. And no, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I think like we should absolutely be watching for signs and we don't know what the signs will be because every kid is different and every situation is different. And that's a challenging recipe. It's why teaching is so, is so challenging. It's why it's so important for kids to be seen and why we have to invest in lots of small consistent behaviors to make sure that kids feel seen because like, 
a young person tells you that they need to connect with someone about something that's going on in their life because they already feel connected to you. They already feel seen and, and important in the classroom. And so, I mean, lots of really small things like just being intentional about using names more often. It sounds silly, but just greeting kids by names and saying, how are you, how are you doing? I think is really important. And then, um, you know, little moments of nice work Tamari, nice work, Jonathan, nice to see you. How was it? How was, you know, I loved your work yesterday, right? It doesn't even have to be about, yes, you can connect about things outside the classroom, but just telling them that I, I see you and the things that you do and you matter to me in the classroom. And even, um, you know, a question like, what did you think of the novel, Hillary? That's a cold call. Um, and some people find that to be a negative thing, but to me, a cold call done right can be a message to a student that you're, you're important here and I, I, I care about you. I, um, I tell the story in TLAC 3.0 of cold calling my daughter at dinner. Most people wouldn't think, think about this as a, as a cold call, but I have three kids uh, and two of them are, you know, they're in high school and uh, there was an energetic conversation at dinner about soccer practice and chemistry class. And also my littlest one, who's significantly younger, sort of sitting at the end of the table wondering, do I get to participate in this conversation? Is my voice important here? And uh, so, so I cold called her and I said, you know, what about you? What happened in your, in, you know, in class for you today? Or like, did you, you know, how was your science class today? And, and to me, that let her know that her voice matters in that situation. I think there's something similar that we can do in the classroom that says, what about you? What do you think? Uh, that draws students in. And I just think over time, when we do that to students, we let them know that they're important. You feel seen metaphorically first, because someone tells you that you're, 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 you're literally seen. I see you here and you're important to me. And then I think that opens up the channels by which kids tell us, hey, I need, I need a little more. I need to talk to someone about this. There's a lot of attention being placed on the needs of students. Can we focus on teachers for a moment? How can we provide for our fellow educators? Well, you talked about student voice and how critical that is. And I would also say um, the same goes for teacher voice too. Teacher voices are so critical. And one example um, is of a school that I work with in Albany, New York, um, and this school found a way to leverage teacher voices and ideas to help with uh, creating goals for their strategic planning for the upcoming year. And the way that they did that was through creating an all staff survey uh, to get a pulse on how their staff members were doing and feeling as they transitioned into hybrid instruction. The survey was very intentional, very carefully crafted, and that it asked all school staff members to reflect upon the ways in which the school has maintained strong school culture. They also asked staff to anonymously talk about anonymously talk about where there were challenges. Um, and these might sound familiar to all of us. Uh, they included scholar engagement, getting scholars online consistently. And what I also loved is that these school leaders also asked their teachers to voice um, their post-pandemic wins, things like how teachers have increased connection with families through Zoom, through phone calls, and also more positive praise to students, um, which Doug, you, you had talked a little bit about earlier, just again, noting to students the things that they're doing well and noticing that, you know, that we see them and that we hear them um, and they're doing beautiful work. And we think that the survey served two important purposes. One, it gave you know, teachers that space, that time and the voice, but in order for that to mean anything, um, and what we saw is that school leaders really took uh, those ideas and applied it to the plans that they had moving forward. And so uh, it was really exciting to see those school leaders share um, out the beautiful ideas that teachers came up with and how they're incorporating it 
into their whole school culture moving forward. Yeah, I love that answer, Hillary, and I just like add the tiny coda that good schools make people feel heard and they open and they have systems to hear from people and gather information. The only thing we know for sure about this year is we're not going to know all the solutions when we start out. And so just have to have really robust, open information sharing, not just the opportunity for people to tell us what, for teachers to tell us what they need as schools, but actually systems to, you know, intentional ways of gathering information and, uh, and asking people to let us know what they're learning because, um, you know, last year was really uncharted territory, but I think maybe we'll be surprised by, by how uncharted this year is too. I agree. Uh, last year was uncharted and it, who knows what's ahead. We'll, we'll be ready for the, for the adventure and the surprise. Hillary and Doug, thank you so much for joining me asynchronously this week. I'd encourage everyone listening to go to teachlikeachampion.com slash blog, where you can find wonderful research, videos, articles, and more from the Teach Like a Champion team. You can also continue learning by visiting the links in our show notes. Before you go, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. While you're there, we'd appreciate if you could leave us a rating and review to help more educators find us. See you next week with another episode. Thanks for listening.